We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week on Head & Heart Work Conversations, we're talking to Jessica Salgado, whose pronouns are she, her, who is a Los Angeles-based Salvadoran poet who writes about her family, her culture, her city, and her fat brown body. She is body-positive activist and author, a two-time National Poetry Time finalist, the recipient of the 2020 International Latino Book Award in Poetry, and the author of three phenomenal collections of poetry. And we are so, so lucky to have her with us today. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I mean, from fangirling over you <laughs> many, many years ago. No, to... that is that feels impossible to me. <laughs> I know. I, I saw I saw your social media posts, and I was just like, "Girl, yeah. you were just on a break." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she just talking about me like coming back to poetry. Uh, our yes. just break up listeners are going to hear about it eventually. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I know a lot of people were like, it's okay to take a break. And I was like, no, no, I like left that life. <laughs> you know, I was like, we're gone. We're never going to do it again. Got rid of everything. And then here we are again. Fucker. You're back. <laughs> beautiful. Um, it is beautiful. Yeah. And it's felt like, I don't know if you feel like this in your like waves of writing, but like it feels like more authentic this time. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Enough about me. Let me get into the yeah. good stuff. <laughs> um, 
Um, <laughs> so thank you for being here. I've wanted to have you on this interview series from the get-go. You were one of the first names that popped into my mind. Um, and just as a general like description, if y'all don't know Jessica's work, um, make sure to check uh, her out. Her poetry is like in a couple words. It is as beautiful as it is liberating, as sensual as it is heartbreaking. I'm such a fan, like so genuinely, especially live. You're such a phenomenal reader. You have such a unique mm. um, delivery. Uh, mm. And I just I'm such a fan. So to give mm. a little we try to like give our listeners context for when we're introducing people to them. So can you give us a little bit of a history about your journey into becoming a like a professional full-time writer because I think it's pretty inspiring and and unique too yeah like I've been writing my whole life I think at six years old I figured out that you could tell stories on paper and I just ran with it and um nobody around me really quite understood what it was I was just a weird kid that read and wrote a lot and didn't really care about many other things and then you know, you have all the complications of home. I grew up with an alcoholic father. Um, my my mother was undocumented most of the time. I was in elementary school and a bunch of other family dynamics. I, in high school, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I ended up dropping out of high school for a mixture of all of that. Mm-hmm. Mostly just depression and not being able to articulate all of that to like the world around me. And so then the intention was always to go back to school and I was going to, I wanted to be a big fancy writer, but once that didn't happen for me, I kind of thought that a career in writing wasn't going to be that accessible, but I always knew that I was going to do it anyway. Yeah. And so I took off on the internet and would share work anywhere I could. Um, At first I was a catfish. I was pretending to be a thin white Latina um, which I'm not, <laughs> and, but I thought that that's what people wanted to read poetry from. And yeah. then in 2008, I, 2007, six, I found that poetry jam online. And so then I realized that folks could make a career out of yeah, this in a like way that rise. I never, mm-hmm. in a way that I had never seen before, you know, that I, I, I had read books, but not seen people performing. Yeah. And then I and then I heard about the Poetry Lounge. Um, a friend of mine was just like, how can you? I'm sorry, my dog is losing his shit in the back. <laughs> That's OK. It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all got we all got those yeah. pandemic puppies. Yeah. And um, yeah. And I walked into the Poetry Lounge where everything I thought I knew about me got tested and challenged on stage. Mm. I used to think <laughs> anybody that knows me now thinks this is funny. I used to think I was introverted. Mm-hmm. That I was an introverted, shy person sure. that was in all of these other things. And, um, you know, being on stage and then going into slam and the the kind of people that I was around, like yeah. Jerry Rosinski, Teresa Sagatonu, you know, like Alicia Wise, um, all of these. Anybody look them up. They're amazing. Alicia and was around, interviewed on our show with her husband, Matthew. Yes. Yeah. And then. Matt, like that, that was my first time team, Matt, Alicia, Carrie and Teresa. And I was around these powerhouses that saw me as one, but I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And I, and then I, that first experience in slam was so uncomfortable for me 
because I was so insecure, so afraid of everything that after that, I refused to feel like that again. Mm-hmm. And I set off on a self dis- on a self journey of therapy and telling the truth in a mm-hmm. way that I never had. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the poem that changed everything for me was this poem called An Honest Poem, where I talked about being a fat woman. And in mm-hmm. other po- and before that, I would like dance around it. Mm. and and would never really like speak about it straight on and then I was just like it's the first thing everybody sees about me when I go Mm -hmm. on stage why Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. talk about it so once I started talking about my fatness in my work some door like some door inside me opened and and everything just started connecting Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and my first viral poem was about dating as a fat woman Mm -hmm. and then and then it all took off from there you have a career that is like undeniable. I I use that mm. word because like there's some artists that I witness and I feel like this was your path. It was always your path and and you just had to get that door had to open. Um mm-hmm. whether internally or externally too because I felt like the universe was like setting up that path for you. Um which is my own hippie bullshit, but <laughs> <laughs> No, and I I com- I completely agree cuz Every choice, whether I uh, like every choice, every mistake, everything, everything has pushed me right. into what it has made me the woman that I am now. And therefore, give it allowed me to have the career that I have. Yes. And mm-hmm. so much of it is circumstance and, lu- and luck. Yeah. totally. And, and folks, yeah, folks don't understand that, that you just got to be ready. Yeah. For whenever it comes. Yes, totally. For sure. And just for, sure. for our listeners who don't know and who might be in the Los Angeles um, area, the Poetry Lounge is a uh, poetry venue slam. Yeah. Is it happening now? Post? Yeah, we're still happening. Yeah. Okay. We cool. are. Yeah, we're the largest open mic in the country that happens every Tuesday. Um, we've been running for twenty four years. People line up and, for blocks to go to the yes. show. Yes, <laughs> and and so please look us up at DA Poetry Lounge, yeah. and we just we we just are about to wrap up the year, but we're gonna come back next yeah. year, nice yeah. and ready, definitely. So I know that you sort of got into this world of Bazi positivity through your poetry, right? And through what you said of like your first viral poem of being about dating while fat. Um, but I also know that part of the reason why you got some, uh, some Instagram attention is because you also sort of <laughs> air the shit that awful men say to you on uh, uh, dating apps. <laughs> can you tell that. us, yeah. Can you tell us like why you started doing that and sort of what, what you've learned or what you've uh, sort of gleaned from, from doing that uh, online? So, so, uh, yeah. outwardly. Yeah. So I grew up on the internet, right? Like I'm mm. a, a millennial, I'm an elder millennial, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, we got a, a computer at my house when we were like seven, I was 17. Um, and my sisters and I would fight to, we would take two hour turns shifts Cute. to <laughs> be on the computer. Cause we only had one computer, but I've always interacted with men online especially mm-hmm. when I was a catfish, when I was mm-hmm. catfishing. And so then once I, once I would see how differently people treated a conventionally beautiful woman and a fat woman mm-hmm. and how the harassment I would get, all of that, my sister and I would sit on dating apps next to each other and she's um, thinner than I am. And so we would be sitting down and see how like she would get 
messages about like whatever her interests were. Right. And I would get message about like what my mouth does, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it would. And, and so then in observing that and realizing that also folks always the first question was like, what are you doing? What kind of pictures do you have? These kinds of things. So I wanted to open all of those conversations up as much as I could. Sure. Yeah. I wanted other women to see, especially fat women, to see that no matter how respectable, quote unquote, respectable you are in the world, it's still going to happen. Yeah, you can totally. You can be covered up. You can be as slutty as you want to, which is like my preference. But, you know, whatever you, you <laughs> sure. want, um, it's still going to happen. And then I also wanted men to see what other men do when they're when they're not yes. watching. Yes. Mm, mm-hmm. Because men care about each other's opinions more than they care about women's opinion. And I'm mm. speaking in binaries just because I'm a straight woman yep. that dates, that has so far only dated cisgender men. I love men. that so far. I love <laughs> yeah. that so far. We talk about sexuality a ton and I love that so far. <laughs> it's a spectrum. It's a yes. spectrum and I'm open, I'm open for whatever yes, happens. Yes, you but are. So far, for sure. that. so far, that's the life I've lived. But um, yeah, and so then I, I I picked up on that really early on, and again I I tell folks that I think I'm um I'm well poets were kind of psychologists in some kind of like we we support a lot of the things that psychologists do right, mm-hmm. and for me I love observation uh, observing the human condition mm-hmm. and observing human behavior, and a lot of that through the dating apps I change pictures to see what reaction I get. I change the tone in my bios, but um, yeah, I screenshot what the men say and I would post it. I, I kind of slowed down because Instagram started calling me a bully. Um, mm, sure. <laughs> and so I got, I got suspended for a little bit. So I'm like, okay, is it, I'm trying to like, buy, now it's, I found different ways to do that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I still lean into that and I feel that, the best way to open these conversations is to show folks what happens without any commentary. Yes. So with the dating app pictures, I usually post them and don't say much or make like a quick little joke and, but let folks do of it what they will. Yes. And, um, and it's really, really um, opened up a lot of interesting things. Yeah. I described it to Sam, um, as like really illuminating, really frustrating, embarrassing at times for those people. I'm just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. what are you, what game is this? Or like, who raised you? <laughs> I've, had, I've had men message me repeatedly throughout the years. Oh, that's, like those are my back. favorite when that's like time stamped <laughs> and you just, you haven't engaged at all. <laughs> and like they come back around and they come yeah. back around and then I'm like, sir, or they find me on other apps. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because, because every app has its own culture. Yeah, totally. And for so, sure. and so I, I could talk about dating apps forever just because I've always been very intrigued by um, who, who behaves how. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On, on them and it's really interesting I think it's yeah. also like I, I want to make a one addendum too because it was also really powerful to see I feel like something that you always do well is you like expose the um the patriarchy or the misogyny or whatever we want to call that while being 
um, unapologetically sex positive and mm. like sensual. And that's such a powerful representation as a fat woman. Um, and just to, just to see you just fully embrace that while also being like, I'm not going to accept this or, you know, mm. you are tripping right now, you know, or whatever, you, you know, you don't even engage with half of them. Like that, that's so powerful as a witness um, as well for this psycho, you know, psychological experiment. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Like, I mean, I grew up Catholic. I grew up Catholic to the point where I, I was, I thought I was going to be a nun at some point. <laughs> I remember mm. reading oh, that sure. in an interview. <laughs> it's, it's, my life has taken many turns. <laughs> and so, but, but I remember my first sexual encounters were like so full of guilt. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was having boring, straight missionary <laughs> sex. But I was just like, God is going to like strike me down. I'm so yeah. evil. I'm this and that. And then like realizing that like, that a lot of religion is often used to, to like strip everything from women. Yes. Mm. Everything. Right. And, and so for me, it's been a lot of like the reclaiming of all the things that I lost through being taught to be shameful of my body and my sexuality, um, my, my carnal desires. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I think a lot of that is also with the, 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 the dating apps and stuff is a lot of what rape culture is, right? Where the blame yep. goes on women. Mm-hmm. And so my my thing is just like, I can be as sensual as I want. I could be as provocative as I want. And I'm still not required to engage with people I don't want to engage with. Right. And I'm still not obligated to entertain um, these men that want weird sexual things not, not, no, no kink shaming, but I think it's weird to put it on with someone you've never had a conversation with. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, they are bold. And I think it speaks oh, to what so you're saying bold. about um, how different body types are treated on dating apps because they're just fucking so bold. And oh, so, so bold. It's illuminating to say the least. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the, the un- underlining commentary of you should be grateful. Yes. Mm. You should be grateful that I, I want to put my penis inside of you. Yeah, right. totally. Or or <laughs> or like you should like of course you're here for this. Totally. Where else would anybody give you this attention? Right. And I always and and another big thing that um I always use these screenshots as commentary for is just like there for other fat women like there would never be a lack of somebody that wants to sleep with you. <laughs> that is not. <laughs> That's that is real. not what we're measuring anything by because people are horny, especially if this pandemic <laughs> didn't teach us anything. <sighs> we are all very horny. Yeah. And, uh, and, but there's a, there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom being a fat woman growing up and thinking that no one's ever going to desire you. Right. There's a freedom in knowing that like, oh no, like most of these people desire me, but some of them want to make me their secret little yes. something. For and sure. then I have the power in choosing whether I want that or not. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it is powerful. Absolutely. So I said before that um, your your name was like one of the first on the list of somebody I wanted to interview, particularly because like I shared something that I learned from you in one of the first episodes and I have like repeated it and credited you throughout the history of the last four and a half years. And it was, mm-hmm. I think you like tweeted this one day, you said... <laughs> 
if you're not going to stay, get out of the way for someone who will. And it was the first time I've ever heard that sentiment shared. And I was like, oh, dang, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, dang, I have to do some reevaluating of the space that I'm allowing people to inhabit because mm -hmm. other people can't fit sometimes because of the mental, emotional space I'm giving someone else, you know, um, can you speak a little bit more about that? Because it has informed a lot of the advice that I've given on this show in the past. <laughs> of course, I've been in, um, I was in on and off relationship for a really long time. And before that, I was in another one for my first relationship lasted for almost a decade with a lot of him doing whatever he wanted and me staying. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then again, I somehow manifested itself again. And this was in different in many ways, but similar in other, in, in, in many things. And I was having a hard time shaking this person because shaking, yes, <laughs> you know, love or codependency, both, all these things manifesting themselves in this man yeah. who would not commit, but would always be around. Yeah. And, and, and so many of like my first book has many poems about our relationship. And, um, it was just like, homie, if you're not going to stay, get out of the way for somebody that will. Mm. And, and, and like, and, and staying looks different for everybody. Right. For, yes. cause for him, he's just like, I'm here. I keep showing up. I'm like, no, but I want you here giving yes. me what I need, yes. what I'm mm -hmm. looking for. And if you can't do that, let's be honest about it so that we can find someone that can feed fit both of our needs. Right. Like yes. mm. you go find another woman and I'll go find another man. I'll stay alone. I don't freaking know. Like, Whatever it is that we need to do, um, this person has recently come back up into my life again, Ooh. and um, it's you know I'm working on it. <laughs> I know but, a great podcast about relationships. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, you should yes. check it out. And and so then, but we're at that place again where we're like we really care about each other, we really love each other, but we cannot show up how we both want it. Yes, at all. Mm. Even when we're both trying really hard. Yeah. And that doesn't mean one of us has to be the bad guy. It just means that we cannot. Yeah. I am an incredibly affectionate person. He isn't. And he doesn't understand. Like, this is just one example, right? He doesn't understand why I mean, like, I need to, I need to hear this, this and that. And then he's just like, well, I text you a heart emoji. I'm like, so that doesn't, I'm, a, I'm my currency is words. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. I need words, you know, and. And so I'm just like, what? Go, go somewhere yeah. else because we don't want to be here. Yes. So go somewhere. And so I say that a lot to myself and to like, sometimes I've had to be the one that I got to leave so that somebody oh else God. that's really going to stay. That is the realist, isn't it? When you're like, yeah. I mm -hmm. am inhabiting too much space in a way that I know they want more. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've had, I was uh, in love with somebody that lives in New York and we met online and we um, hadn't had never made it work. And then I knew that he had a girlfriend, but every time we would talk, we ached for each other in like mm. a really real way, but we just couldn't move to be near each other. Mm -hmm. And I had to leave. I had to leave because what was, why was I staying and pulling him away from somebody I was being able to like, 
give him like fulfill his physical needs also. Mm-hmm. And then now they're married and they're happy. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the best gift I could have given both of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. For sure. So yeah. that somebody that was going to stay could come and step in and, and be with him. And then I have to remind myself, I'm like, I chose this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like- <laughs> the hard part is sticking to your decisions. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. For sure. And I think those are like some of the hardest relationships to find a way out of when it's like, we both love each other deeply. And also this is just like not working for either of us. Like we are Mm -mm. just incompatible to our core, even as we have such like huge love for each other. So, um, good luck with that. That sounds sounds very challenging. (laughs) It's it's a whole different kind of, it's a whole different kind of heartbreak when somebody is really showing, like, you know, they're trying their very best, but it's just not what you, what you want or what you need. And, it doesn't mean anything about them. It's just your needs. And I'm like, shit. I'm like, that sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've been asking you to do all these things. So all these years and now you're doing them and you know, it's not right. <laughs> well, if you, if you hear this, I hope we figured it out by then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakal jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't, want, you can just cancel it with a tap. 
You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. You write a lot about being in a fat brown body in a way that's incredibly raw and vulnerable and unapologetic. Um, and you also write a lot about how like people continue to undermine the beauty and awesomeness of that body and like how some sometimes even you undermine the beauty and awesomeness of that body. Like I'm thinking about um, your poem on the bad days, right? Where you mm -hmm. say like, I, I don't know which of which is the lie, the love for my fat body or my desperation to escape it. Um, and I'm just curious about like how writing, how poetry um, has helped you sort of navigate the really complex reality of like, yeah, I can love myself and also be in a world that doesn't love this body. And sometimes it like seeps in or sometimes I struggle to find a way to do it. Like what is, mm -hmm. what is, how is poetry, how is writing helped you navigate those realities? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like um, writing is a reclamation of things, right? And calling mm. things to you. And when I write mm. about my body and um, I get to put things down in a way, especially not only like write, but share them, right? I feel like that's the, the, the part with writers where where most of the work is, do is done, where emotional work is done, when we choose to let other people read it. Because mm -hmm. in my journal, I say it, like I say hell of things, but it's <laughs> what sure. makes it out onto like social media or a book or an event or something. And I think that, that choosing to lean into um, the vulnerability of not always loving myself mm. allows me to love myself better. Yeah. Um, say it again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because then I'm not, I, I don't think it's fair. We would never expect someone, a friend of ours to show up full energy, chipper, happy every single day all the time. Right. Yeah. And yep. so we can't show up like that in our bodies all the time. And especially like I have chronic illnesses. I have blah, blah, blah. All these other things that like have happened and I always, and a, a, a phrase that I said at a talk recently, and I keep repeating is 
folks' hatred for my fat body has harmed me more than my fatness has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then like, I have to remember that when things happen to me, it's not personal. They don't know me. They don't know my accomplishments. Yeah. They don't know what I've, what I've achieved, who I am in this world. It's just, I get a lot of trolls, right? They just see a fat woman taking up space on a viral post or a viral video. And they just decide that fatness is not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when all of that starts coming, I've learned, I used to like really internalize it and I would get really upset. And now I'm just like, oh, now I get to teach all of these folks mm. what it looks like to truly love yourself. Mm. Right. And, and that happens. Sometimes I fight back. I am a sassy pant, so I love arguing <laughs> online. But other times, like, it depends who it is, right? If it's like, if it's a non cis man, I will have more patience. Mm. Sure. You know, for like queer folks, trans folks, um, just women in general, femmes, like, because we're always being told we're wearing our bodies wrong. Mm-hmm. anybody that doesn't exist in that way, you know? And so um, I'll have patience for it or whatever, but I always tell folks, I'm like, there's some days that this body doesn't want to be perceived. I don't want to be mm-hmm. on camera. I don't want to yeah, be on stage. True. I don't want to do those things. And sometimes if I show up at a show and I don't feel good, I say it on stage and then I, and then it goes away because we're all sharing in that. I think it's, it's the, the, a lot of times what we feel is the lack of self-love. It's not, it's really the fear of being vulnerable, mm. of surrendering to being like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But there's so much power in that. I don't know. For sure. Because yes. we all come to that like all the time. And I found that the times that I'm able to be like, yeah, I feel like shit. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the days that it becomes more beautiful because I allow other folks to hold me and reflect back to me what I've been telling the universe yeah. all this time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So writing writing that leads leads the 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 path. I always tell people uh, another phrase that I've been saying for years that kind of started with my activism when I started wearing crop tops, um, my body positive act my fat liberation is take a picture on the good days so you could find it on the bad days. Mm. Mm. So like and then that poem on the bad days was written around that same time. Where it's just like, I have to leave love notes for myself mm. so that when I forget how good I felt right now, I can find them and just remind myself that it's all a cycle. Yes. Yeah. I've been noticing, background. I've been, I love that so much because I've been noticing in our letters, in Sam and I's conversations, like in my friends and loved ones that the people in my circle are trying really hard to liberate ourselves, to... Um, from the things that oppress us, from our traumas, from our childhoods, from our pain, you know, from our self-loathing, really. And also we get in this cycle of when we're not, quote, healed enough or we're not, um, we, when our self-love is an immediate, we, we, that just becomes fuel for the fire. It, that cycle of like beating yourself for self up for not, you know, not having the right reaction, being triggered or something like that. That's, that's just, that's just your humanity coming out, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting in that nuance, like you said, sitting in that, 
in that uncomfortable unknown and just saying, okay, I'm having this reaction, just letting it be and letting it flow through you um, is just so much more compassionate. It's a really high standard that we hold ourselves to, to be enlightened, to be fully healed, to be totally in love with ourselves and our bodies all the time when we have been routinely and continually and from practically birth taught the otherwise. For sure. And, and like, I feel that, that we don't give the, the struggle of like, when we struggle with love, self-love and love towards other people, um, the uncomfortable feelings, that gray area, we don't give that enough praise because that's where the most beautiful art comes out of. Oh my God, yes. The most beautiful love songs are heartbreak songs. The most beautiful things that are written are people that feel really lost and they're trying to write themselves into something that makes sense for them. And I'm like, I don't want to have a life where there's none of that. Like, I don't have to be a tortured artist, but I still want to be able to like, have some stuff I haven't figured out because if I figured it all out, I'm not going to want to write anything. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's impossible that the toxicity of like other people's wounds isn't going to find its way to you in some way because we Mm -hmm. are interconnected, right? Like we, we look to each other. So when people are, when people are hurting and that hurt comes out on us, right? It's hard to just be like, cool, I'm fine, right? Because it, Mm -hmm. it deeply impacts us. And I love the way that you're sort of talking about how, discussing that is actually liberating, right? It's Mm -hmm. not enough to just pretend like, oh, I love myself all the time, so I never feel bad. That's not actually real. That's not actually authentic to our experiences. How can we talk about like, yeah, I love myself. And also sometimes the shit other people say say to me or the stories I tell myself are cause me harm. Um, And that's what it looks like to be human. Doesn't undermine my own love Mm -hmm. for myself. Just means that it's hard work. It's something I have to choose every day. Mm Mm-hmm. The next question I had was about like the role writing plays in your interpersonal relationships. But I, you've, we've kind of already talked about that unless you feel drawn to talking about that. I, I could also ask you a question about like your nails <laughs> and what they <laughs> represent to you. I think that they... I know, yeah, oh no, I will. <laughs> nobody could see that. No, 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 we're fine. We're fine. No, 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 you're good. Um, I just think... They they're they're becoming almost like symbolic of you, you know, like how like um, artists have their thing. Um, Jessica gets long pointy claws, basically. Right. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. you've written about how like getting your nails makes you feel a way like it's like a gift to yourself. Will you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that and like what it means? Yes, I say that like I adorn myself and my nails are a part of that yeah um again it's part of being in a body that i kept i didn't love for a long time that i hated that i wanted to wish away that i pretended i didn't have you know and so now that you know my job is to be on stage or to be on on like online or on a camera or something like that like I'm constantly, I'm not wearing them right now, but I always have rings on. Mm-hmm. I always have like jewelry on. Um, my Beautiful hoops. dresses. Like, yeah, thank you. Wearing yeah. gowns <laughs> lately, you look so good. But it all started for me um, in the beginning with crop tops where yeah. I started wearing crop tops on stage all the time 
because I realized that it was a statement I was making. Mm. Now, everybody assigned with, don't say that it was a prop foul, because it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not allowed to have costumes when you perform, when you compete in poetry. But anyway, sure. um, I started wearing crop tops on stage, and um, it was a thing where it was like folks weren't used to seeing somebody of my size being that. And all of a sudden, I didn't ever, like, I didn't name myself a, a, a body positive activist. Right. I didn't sure. like set myself out to become that. And now I, I tend to use the word fat liberation because the body positive movement was co-opted yes. by thinner bodies. Yes. Um, but like in fat liberation centers, the black women that have been doing the work of that, whom I come in, in their, in their shadows. Right. And um, yeah. And so when I started like, so all of that, and then I started, um, my nails are on stage. I use my hands to speak. So, I mean, I always use my hands to speak so much. Um, I started wearing, uh, these nails that are kind of like, always saying like, look at me, look at me. I'm not going to shrink. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hide. I'm in here in this body and I refuse to go away and I will refuse to let you put me away. And this is a, a, a reminder to myself and to anybody that's watching me that like, I'm, I considered myself beautiful enough to go sit somewhere and pay someone to put these sparkly things on the end of my fingers. Also, I have really small hands. And <laughs> and so like it makes my fingers a little bit longer. Sure. <laughs> I'm I'm five one. I'm really I'm small and people always think I'm very tall. And when they meet me, they're always thrown off. So I think that this is like I can't wear heels because of a foot condition I have. So I think this is my version of like yeah. Overcompensating for my short nails. <laughs> yeah. My long nails. I love it. when I get fake nails, I feel like witchy and powerful. So I totally, <laughs> I totally get it. I love typing. Oh, yeah. I can type really well with my nails. and yeah. But I just love looking down at the keyboard and my nails are like going at it really fast. And, and it always like, it's it like a little bit of mystique because when I'm out and like, I'm not wearing any makeup and I'm like in sweats looking like a crazy auntie because I got the kids with my niece and my nephew with me (laughs) people see my nails and they're like always like your nails are fancy and then I'm like I'm fancy I'm just not letting you see that right now (laughs) (laughs) that's funny good I'm glad I asked about the nails I knew there'd be a good question there there's there's an inherent permission in wearing nails like you wear nails it's it's so uh badass yeah and it's also like um I didn't grow up doing any of these things my mother didn't either my mom no makeup nothing so many of these these high femme things that I do for myself I was taught by other femmes and women in my life you know Mm. that you know took me to the nail shop I remember my old poetry partner Angela Aguirre was the one that told me that I should start getting the stilettos which is the style that I get and so then I was just like okay and then, like, I have a necklace with my nameplate on it. Another one of my homegirls is just like, all the dope girls have nameplates, so you need one. And it's like, all of these things that I feel like it's the sisterhood, like, it, there's something sacred in that. And so, like, mm-hmm. when you lean into uh, these rituals. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and, and like, my, I always come home and I tell my niece, do you like the colors? I, like, do you like my nails? Do you like the colors? So, She'll look at my nails and she'll tell me what she thinks. And then she's like, <laughs> next time you should get more sparkles next time. Da, da, da. So um, it, I think it's just all like it's witchy. It reminds me a lot of um, yes. 
Practical Magic. Yeah. The, the, I love the, that movie. You know, like, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Okay, um, I'm going to ask you about a tweet that you just tweeted today. Today. <laughs> okay. We were like doing our research. <laughs> um, so you tweeted... I'm really good at turning men into poetry. I'm also good at forgetting where the metaphor ends. Um, and we saw that and we were like, there has to be a story behind this and we are going to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> yes, I write a lot um, a lot about the men that I'm involved with. Because I, I write a lot about love and, and I had a column for a long time that was a... Uh, romance and dating column, and um, now I still occasionally write for Refinery Twenty Nine. Um, but I was kind of the relationship that I'm talking about. There was for the longest time I was pining after this man, and and I go back and I read my poems, and I was just like, he never, he can't even remember my sister's names. <laughs> <laughs> And I only have two of them, you know, I wrote, I'm like, but I wrote a poem about how the first time he held my hand, yeah. I was a kite being tethered to land by him. And I was just like, there's something's not the same here, For sure. <laughs> you know? And, and, and so I realized that there's a power in that too. Right. Um, but also like, sometimes we get lost in the stories we tell. Oh, absolutely. And the stories become the stories and we forget that what parts like that. Yes. The, the quote is a little bit longer because it's from a poem that I'm writing. But it's just like, I forget what, where I filled in the holes mm. and and what actually happened. Right. Yeah. Is this from a new book? <laughs> Hopefully, hypothetically, yeah, hypothetically, I've been working on this fourth book for like since 2020, but I also did three books in two years. Yeah, I you, you them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but, but I am working on, I'm working on two different manuscripts that will happen when they happen. But, um, yeah, and, 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 and also like, realizing that too that's my toxic trait with men mm. where like i will romanticize the hell out of them and also like it's it's a kind of power that you have right mm. like where yeah. and who and and this is another thing to like why my exes come back like that's intoxicating to have mm -hmm. yourself oh, to yeah. be to be in a room and see hundreds of my mangoes which is what i call my readers to see hundreds of my mangoes crying over a poem about you yeah, that like, is a sext. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, that an emotionally like, oh, baggaged okay. sex for sure. right there, <laughs> right? Like, like it's just like I like a whole room of people will sigh, but then, but then I've had people meet the person that the phones are about and be very disappointed. <laughs> oh my God, like, oh, this is hysterical, <laughs> and th this guy, this is the muse. All right, this is the one. Like, this is it. <laughs> Like, yeah. you know what maybe maybe i made some parts up you know like for real maybe, and there's another line that i have there's like maybe i maybe you happened or maybe i made you up yeah i i love this sentiment so much because we get so many letters from folks who are like pining after these people in their lives and like our advice is always like remember how he used to do the worst thing like remember how he didn't remember your sister's really names there. right like yeah yeah because it's so easy to tell ourselves these stories about these like lost loves that we have in our life 
because we want it to make sense. Right. And part of what it Mm -hmm. makes sense is that like we tell these big stories, but the stories are not real life because real life is so much more messy and complicated than that. Right. Like where you're like, I can have strong feelings for a person who doesn't know my sister's names, but it's easy to forget that last part when all I'm doing is thinking about how I love them deeply. (laughs) And like, they're so far away from me. And it's interesting to hear you say that and like, and then have that reflected back from the people who are listening to your poems too. And just like having that part of you, like reinforced by that is just, I can't imagine being a poet because I would be so, I would be so unaware. Like I'd be like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Everything is confusing. (laughs) I think we get us, we get committed to the story of it too. Not just as poets, but all, but like we are very guilty of that. But like as humans, we, we connect, we get overly committed to the story or the metaphor instead of the reality. Oh, this person is my soulmate. They treat me like shit, but we are meant to be together. They said, he said he was going to marry me one day. We're meant to Mm -hmm. be together. And so, so we get stuck on the meant to be together over the actual present behavior or the actual happiness. Mm -hmm. I think, I think many of us, yeah, it's the, the script, right? We stick to the script and whatever the script is, we're like, that's what it is. Right. Like, Yep. Um, I loved him so much and he didn't love me back and he left. If he left me, something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. He was amazing. For sure. He yep. was amazing. I love you. I miss you. Come back. I love you. I miss you. Come back. And then he comes back and you're like, you don't wash your ass. Like <laughs> what? You know? <laughs> and then and then you're like, wait, the poem. And then you're looking. Yeah, I wrote a poem about and- you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and then, and then the, and then the tricky part is if you, when you're a writer and you do have success, then you're sitting in all these interviews talking about this lackluster relationship that you turned into an entire three books. And so now I'm just like, well, like uh, he thinks like the lizard people are real or something, you know? I love that. And it's like, I can't wait to reread some of your work with this context. But it's also like "Mm." so relatable, you know. I even think about this isn't totally the same, but like I think about Adele, who like we think about as this musician who writes these heart wrenching love ballads. And I remember like reading in an interview her saying that someone like you was she just like thought about what it would be like to like have to run into a lover later. You know, like we think it's like so true. Yeah. I I think we uphold art to a different, especially poetry. I don't know. We mine it for the truth. Mm -hmm. Like look at um, Beyonce, right? Yeah. When we all found out about Jay-Z, the elevator, all of that stuff, right? Everybody was so, so disappointed. And they were like, she stayed with him. Yes, because she's a regular person. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. With, and, Motherfuckers be disappointing us all the time and whatever, you know, like, but they're going to be fine because they have a lot of money for a lot of family, for a lot of relationship therapy, you know, or whatever. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, But then that's, that's, and then Lemonade was made and all of these things, you know, and then you're like, really Jay-Z inspired all of this, (laughs) you know, but I'm sure he's an, an amazing person, but you know, like, we're like, what? Like. 
Oh, absolutely. And then yeah, she releases you know, new music and I'm like, wait, are, are we still mad at Jay-Z or like, what is this? I don't like, remember. <laughs> yeah, is, he, is he in the song? Is there some sort of clue I'm supposed to be picking up on? Yeah. Oh no, this is just like a dance pop. Got it. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. on board. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last question before we get to the last questions that we wrap up the interview with, I'm really enjoying this. And I just want you to like paint a picture for our listeners I'm hoping the picture you paint will represent some of them. If you could tell me like who, I'm not sure if this is a cliche question, writer to writer, but I genuinely think that I want to hear your answer. Like when you imagine your reader, like when they're, when either when you're writing or when you picture your book read, like who do you, who do you picture? And like, who do you write for besides yourself and your own liberation? Uh, I know, I know my reader. Like I, I tell, I always tell the, tell people that my main goals are the love of my life. Like, so when I think of them, I don't necessarily see a face or a body, but I know their hearts. I know that this is someone that is up at 2 a.m. feeling like they're the only person feeling the feelings they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, That there's someone that spent all day feeling inadequate or, or like there was a pebble in their shoe or just couldn't figure it out. There's someone that cries at all the wrong times that um, is trying to like be a boss bitch, but is really tenderhearted. And so that's who I write for. Like, and I see them and I meet them and I talk to them and, and they're at my readings and they come and they're ready to like either take a Hennessy shot with me or to cry on my shoulder. And it's just like, I know them and like, most of them are are um, women, femmes. Um, it's folks that have that know what it's like to hurt, but are also really determined to love. Mm. And then, like you know, and and people like me, I like you know, we all say we're our own first audience, right? And like my thing, the best thing that happened to me with with this career is that realizing that I wasn't. Also, I lost some of my specialness because I wasn't as weird as I thought I was. You know, I used to, I used to think that I was like a really, really weird kid. And I'm realizing that we were all really weird because we're coping with a lot of shit. Yes. <laughs> you know, like the 90s were a strange time to grow up in. And, um, sure. 90s, early 2000s. And, and, um, yeah. And, and I see there, I like, I know them exactly. Like at 2 a.m., if I'm on Instagram at 2 a.m., I'm like, someone's out there and they're fucking feelings and then I'll make a post and then they're always just like, how did you know? Yeah. And I'm like, because we're the same. Yes. The moon, the moon the was moon. extra bright today. Yeah, the, yeah for the breeze, sure. You know, I'm like, I love feelings. that. You answered yeah. it. I had no idea how you were going to answer it, but you answered it as perfectly as I could imagine. So thank you yes, for that. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So we ask um, all of our guests on Head and Heartwork Conversations the same three questions to wrap things up. So the first question that we want to ask you is what relationship advice did you used to believe, but you no longer subscribe to? Oh, yes. I used to believe that that if you... <laughs> I can't believe I used to put like I used to, to but I used to think I can't that like wait. I know I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that like you really had to work at relationships. Mm. Like you really had to work not work at relationships, that you really had to work at love. Right? And I feel that 
and then working at that, like that your one person was your soulmate or whatever. Right. Yeah. Cause you had to make it work with one person. No, <laughs> I think that we're all meant to have really big loves multiple times in our lives. Yeah. And if you choose not to move on to the other big loves, that's your call. But sure. they happen over and over because let me tell you the, the motherfuckers that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with that I ended up not spending with. And then the next one comes and whatever. I'm like, oh, and then also like relationships take work because we're people with our traumas and all of this stuff. But choosing to love somebody yeah. is not work. Yeah. Yes. And if I, I come, that. if I just, yeah. And if I decide to love you, that's something I decide, decided. Yeah. And I would hope you would make the same decision back. For and sure. every time you say no is you're choosing otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And so then that's cool. We can move on because we don't want to, we, we don't want to choose the same things. Yeah, for sure. Second question. We ask all of our guests for a blind date, which is a recommendation for our listeners. It could be a book, podcast, TV show, album, anything that uh, you really love now or historically. Sorry, friends, the baby joined me. So if you hear her speaking in the background, she's eager to get on the mic. Anyway, um, if you uh, anything that you love now or historically and you want to set it up with our listeners, what would that be? Yeah, I I think that everyone should experience going to the movies to see like something sad or like love or heartbreak just by yourself. Ooh, I love Take that. Take yourself dinner and a movie alone by yourself. And if that makes you really uncomfortable, sit in that discomfort. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sit in that discomfort. Feel the loneliness. I don't know. I like feeling sad shit sometimes, you know, and like <laughs> feel the loneliness, like let it, let it come into you. I spent a couple of years where I would go to the movies alone almost every day after work. Wow. And I was I like alone, but those were the, that was when I wrote the most. Oh, I would write yeah. like my heart was on fire because when I sat with all the uncomfortable feelings, I wanted to communicate them. And so they would write, I, I know this sounds a little bit masochist, right? But I, I don't mean it like that. But I think that sometimes, especially um, not to be that kind of person, but with social media and all that, we're constantly connected to each other. And we forget what it's like to be truly alone. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I invite you that on your blind date with yourself, be completely alone with yourself. Wow, yes, Co, that is a great answer. I love that. Absolutely. Nobody has ever said anything like that on our show. And I love it. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that those were like, I find myself like yearning for that recently. Cause like, sure. if I go out now and like, you know, we were alone, we were locked down for so mm-hmm. long that now you want to do everything with everybody all the time. For sure. And I find myself like wanting to go sit. I, w- I took myself to a restaurant the other day. They didn't even pull out a book. Mm-hmm. I just yes. sat there and ate and felt uncomfortable and yeah. felt everything or whatever. But then I came home and I, I suddenly wanted to write. Yeah. And, and, and so I invite you to do that and explore whatever your art form is. I love that. Going to restaurants alone is one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) It's, it's awesome. Haven't gone to a movie alone yet, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. That sounds fantastic. But try to go when the theater is like pretty empty. It's a really beautiful haunting kind of thing. I I love it. I love that. 
All right. And our last question for you, where can people find you and how can they support you? So you can talk about your books, you can talk about your uh, social media, you can ask for a Venmo, whatever people <laughs> our, our folks want to support you. So how can they do it? So you can support me by just following me anywhere online. I'm pretty easy to find I'm Jessica Star on Instagram and Twitter. So it's Y-S-I-K-A-S-T-A-R-R on those. And then you can find me anywhere else by just typing in my name into your Google browser. Um, <laughs> Google me, baby. No. <laughs> but it's, so it's Jessica Salgado. Um, and I share a lot. <laughs> I do a lot of the stuff on the internet. And yeah. um, any of my books can be found anywhere books are sold. But I prefer if you would support an independent bookstore near you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right, my darling, thank you so much. This has been thank everything so I was much. hoping it to be. Um, I am so excited to uh, have the Just Breakup uh, community um, fall in love with you. Thank you for your time and for your your magic. Um, if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to stay tuned for more head and heart work uh, conversations on our primary feed every other Thursday. And if all else fails... Just break up.